Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, a family law lawyer and chair of the family law group at Mills and Mills LLP. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In this week's episode, I'm excited to have as my guest, Melissa Johnson. And Melissa is going to be talking to us about her own story, first of all, which is quite interesting, but also how to change your divorce narrative to one of empowerment um, versus one of victimhood or anger or some of the other feelings that come out of divorce um, when people are going through it. So welcome to the podcast today, Melissa. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much for having me. It's a really great opportunity to be able to, you know, touch base on this topic, which I find, you know, it affects a number of people in a different way. Each everyone has their unique pattern and their story, some more severe than others. But I think the the divorce, you know, process in itself is, um, it's quite a challenging life transition. So any opportunity to be able to help educate people on ways that they might be able to use it as um, an opportunity to, you know, choose differently and to expand what might have previously been possible into something that they may not have been considering before is uh, really exciting for me. Because yeah, often, um, you know, and I know we'll get, we can get into this a little bit, but often people, their divorce can actually be a real turning point in their lives for building a much better life than they ever had, you know, pre-divorce. So it doesn't have to always be a bad thing. Absolutely. And um, it's not to, you know, um, minimize, I think everyone goes through these stages of grief, which is a super natural. And I think one, one important component of that is just honoring um, and being an allowance of the, the different emotions that come up as they do without making yourself wrong for it. Like I should just be handling it. N- not really uh, a relative perspective. It sometimes feels like everything is falling apart. And um, I find that most times the universe tends to usually take something away or have something, you know, which appears like it's falling apart in order to make room for something much more aligned in the long run or something that really just works, whether it's just finding yourself or even um, using it, um, in my case, to completely sort of reinvent yourself with something that feels more authentic with who you really want it to be. That's so true. So why don't we start, if you could share for my listeners a little bit about your own divorce story, because I think it's really interesting and I'm sure it'll be relatable to a lot of people. Sure. Yeah, I would be happy to. Uh, So my divorce story began in 2019. The best way I can describe it is, do you know when you're going through something in life and you start noticing that something um, just isn't right, whether it's something of your own behavior or even just um, like a habitual, you know, repeating of the day ins and day outs. And you're like, I want to change it. I want to change it. I want to change it. And it seems to get louder and louder and louder the the longer you come into it. Um, My divorce was or is more of a high conflict type, unfortunately. Um, but I always had this vision where I would one day kind of stand in my power and just, you know, put my hand down and say, you know, I've, I've, I've had enough of this. I'm not putting up with this anymore and have this total, um, kind of like a movie moment where you just walk out and everything is just, you know, it takes off from there. And I had this moment where it, it was like a chance, a totally synchronistic event where I just had to make this decision like on the spot where I was like, you know what? The, the perfect time is never going to come. I, I keep living each day over, going to bed disappointed at night because I didn't take a step to, to do what I knew what was right and very much necessary for, you know, um, my daughter and my um, mental health, sanity, safety and everything. And giving myself that push really just came at a moment where I was like, you know what, it, there is never going to be a perfect time. So why not just do it imperfectly and, you know, see where it takes me. The 
the moment I made that decision um, is actually the day I left with my daughter and we didn't have anything prepared. Um, we were in our car. We slept in our car for a couple nights and then found our way. How old was your daughter? She was three at the time. And it was a very hostile household. We felt like we were constantly walking on eggshells and it was starting to give her a nervous eye twitch, which was really just the last straw. Um, because I saw it taking a physical toll on her body and, you know, no child should ever have to be exposed to, well, that type of, that, that type of, this is, you know, your, your home space is basically your safe haven, right? So if you can't give a child that, then it's really just, that was rock bottom for me. And that's when I decided that we're better off finding our way to an Airbnb, you know, on the go and figuring it out along the way, than continuing to, you know, sit through it. This actually, um, the best way to describe it is, what happened to me over the past uh, two, almost three years now was actually a series of sort of unfortunate events, um, not in a disempowered standpoint, but they were actually really ironically just one thing just led to another thing. After we got out of the uh, shelter that we stayed at momentarily for, you know, um, domestic violence victims, we um, I realized that I was being let go and um, laid off from my role as board secretary for a really great non-for-profit organization, which made sense also because I, I truthfully wasn't in the... Um, I was going through a lot of shock and trauma and healing from that. And it happened on March 12th, which was my birthday, the day right before the pandemic hit on March 13th. So I was oh, like, wow. what is going on? <laughs> it, was, um, it was quite scary at the time. But the one thing that happened was um, I had this glimpse of, you know, the Staples commercial with the easy button? Yeah, that was easy. Or isn't that what it says? That's, that was easy. Exactly. And I kept getting this glimpse. And I, um, at first, I was quite, uh, I was almost like a little bit offended by it. I knew it was, you know, guidance or um, spirit, God, whatever you want to say, it was something, you know, some like a higher power sort of speaking to me. And it took me by surprise, because I was like, this is not easy. Like, what are you talking about, you know, this is the last thing from easy, but it was really that opportunity. Once I sat with it and kind of asked some questions, um, it was showing me that it was that moment of a reset. And because everything was crumbling one thing to the other. It was like a domino effect in the, in the way of change, making way for who am I even? What do I even want to be doing? And yeah, it's been, it's been a long road. I've had some trouble with legal aid specifically, which I'm um, looking forward to talking about, not necessarily legal, mm-hmm. legal aid, but the uh, relationships with the legal professionals that I had worked with. Um, so w- we're at a standstill. I wish I would be able to so you and your your former spouse are at a standstill is that what you mean or that's right yeah it hasn't yeah. made any progress unfortunately there's been a lot of uh separation legal abuse but unfortunately legal aid has now uh, canceled my certificate so i'm at the point of now just focusing inward on what is within my control rather than trying to force something that you know keeps letting me down or leaving me hanging with um the support that's not being given to my daughter yeah. now i'm interested to hear um again about your your story with respect to the lawyers, because, you know, as a lawyer myself, you know, I have my views on our role and how we should be helping clients. And I know, you know, I often hear from people, one of the, you know, most intimidating aspects sometimes of the whole thing can be like finding a lawyer that, you know, they feel a person feels they can work with. And so can you tell listeners a little bit about, without naming names, obviously, or anything like that, like your experience with you know, some of the problems that you have there? Yeah, absolutely. The biggest challenge that I experienced was um, receiving the lawyers that I had to make an understanding that, you know, certain things that were very emotionally charged and near and dear to my heart, such as, you know, things that I witnessed, you know, my daughter have to um, experience and um, like her, you know, 
seeing this conflict at home and the stuff that we were going through. Um, and to them, of course, understanding that it's a profession, right? So they're not as emotionally attached. The legal aid lawyer, um, the first one that I was working with, had given me uh, some advice with regards to my uh, ex-partner's immigration status and sort of hoping the advice didn't feel resonant. Whatever the advice was, it's something inside me was saying that was extremely harsh. But at the same time, I was having a cognitive dissonance because I knew that with a high conflict type of relationship, a lot of the, I guess, trauma bonding was also distorting my perception of what would be the right thing to do because I had that loyalty, you know, wanting the best for also my daughter, who, you know, very much every child deserves both their parents um, to whatever extent that is possible, of course. I was concerned because the advice seemed quite harsh. And every time I tried to open up the pathways to let my ex back into the picture a bit more to try to foster a healthy co-parenting relationship is when I got really taken advantage of and then basically put in a much more disadvantaged position because he used it as a way to kind of manipulate me into certain outcomes or certain agreements that ended up being the precedent, which was not in our in, in my daughter's best interest in the long run. Um, the problem with the legal aid lawyers was um, essentially just the lack of accountability for certain questions or points in time where I had repeatedly asked out, reached out for guidance or to follow up to see if things were moving along. And there was no answer or any instruction or any sort of solution. There, it was just, I was left empty handed. And I felt helpless because certain times it got really extreme where their, the police was involved or CAS became involved through a referral. They all just told me to document it and to go back to my lawyer who was then not available for me. And I didn't know what else to do. So what happened in both incidences, and this is actually going to tie part into how I got involved in the work that I do with you know, energy, is this patterning of the, the blame almost being shifted back on me. Well, you know, um, I took action on certain events where I had to kind of make a decision and act in accordance with what I would think a reasonable person would do, and then was ended up being you know, sort of blamed for it or criticized or ostracized for it or saying, okay, well, I can't represent you now. and then requesting the change of lawyer and the change of representation wasn't granted the second time. So I was completely, um, you know, I lost my certificate as a, as a result. And from there, it's like, well, what else do you do? So I think the biggest thing for, um, for people going through the divorce is having somebody that can um, be accountable that even if they can't meet your needs or even if they aren't available at a certain time, not being left completely empty-handed, but at least being referred to, okay, we'll speak to my assistant or my colleague can, you know, handle this while I'm gone, rather than just being in this waiting game or this limbo of helplessness, because that's when things sort of get out of control on the, the mental well-being side, I would say, because you start, you know, you're in fear and you're in fear for your child. And um, that's when things sort of start getting to a point of re-traumatization. Yeah, I mean, I can really understand that because I know, you know, with my own clients, you know, sometimes some piece of correspondence will come in from the other side. And, you know, obviously, we have to forward it to them in a, in a timely fashion. And I find one of the challenges can be if I'm tied up in court or in meetings or, you know, whatever it might be when the correspondence comes in, I know with some of my clients, you know, a lot of them, as soon as they receive it, there, it's going to start them spinning because it's going to trigger them. It's going to upset them. It's, they're going to go into an emotionally uncomfortable 
state and they need to talk to me as soon as possible, even if it's just to reassure them and calm them down and, you know, whatever it might be. And so I find I try to always be cognizant of that as much as possible that, you know, even if I can't speak to them right away, just like send them uh, an email or whatever saying, you know, try like, don't let this bother you. We will talk about it. I'm available, you know, on whatever the first available opportunity is to speak. It's just interesting because that's a pattern. Like it's an understandable one. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that as soon as somebody receives something that's going to be upsetting to them, of course, they want to speak to their lawyer to get, to get out of that state of discomfort. But I think that, you know, not, you know, I, I, maybe not all lawyers, like I'm a very sensitive person, so I can feel I almost feel like I can feel clients energy sometimes, you know, myself, I can feel their distress. So, but you know, someone who has like a different personality type might not be as sensitive to that. And, you know, it's kind of like, here's your correspondence. Um, I'll get to you when I get to you and leave you kind of in that, you know, state of discomfort longer than, you know, is ideal. It's, it's a challenge for sure. And I think the current, um, you know, the puzzle pieces that are, we currently have are, it's almost like there's a, a missing element that would really make a big difference that I haven't yet seen. Um, but what would be really lovely and hopeful for the future is to have some sort of toolkit to give the clients to either um, cope with the emotions themselves or have ways of regulating their nervous system, experiencing the emotions, getting them out, um, or even transmuting them into um, that calm sense. Because I think it will lead to better decisions for one. Um, nobody makes good decisions where, when they're in the midst of that, you know, fight or flight mode or that um, spiraling out, thinking of all the times something similar has happened in the past, uh, because you're essentially creating like a negative feedback loop where this, you know, perceived inevitability is just happening again and it distorts your decision making beyond the court support workers who are, you know, sometimes there for um, people uh, like myself who have been relying on legal aid lawyers to facilitate the decision-making, it would almost be nice to see if there was a way to incorporate um, a service or a provider to have somebody because somebody to um, to process on the, the heartfelt side so that, you know, lawyers like yourself can do exactly what you do best given the time constraints that you have and the clients are kind of given some sort of, yeah, some sort of support or structure there. So yeah, I think you're, you're so on point with that. And, it, you know, and this won't deal with all of that but I know um, like one of the things that, that I'm in the process of doing with my team is we're revamping um, materials that we give to new clients and I hope uh, my plan is not only to have like referrals and things like that for different services because I want I want to do a more holistic intake in terms of finding out what their needs are so that I can refer them to you know other as- experts and part of that I want to have something a piece on you know, the emotional aspect and dealing with, you know, correspondence that comes in, that's going to trigger you, you know, here are some, here are some tools, here's five tools you could use to, you know, perhaps calm yourself or whatever until you're able to speak to your lawyer and and things like that. But it's, I think that the whole system is very broken. I mean, I'm sure I'm not telling you you know, anything you don't know. And there's, there's this whole human element that gets really lost in it. And, you know, it's, it does like in defense of lawyers, I mean, I feel like we end up, we wear a lot of hats and that we're not qualified to be wearing like therapists um, is, you know, one of them. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it is hard at times and different lawyers have different personalities for dealing with that. But I think that, and we don't get training in that. And I actually think 
you know, while we're not, we're obviously not going to get training in how to be a, in being a therapist, but we could get training in, you know, the more human side or emotional side of, of managing our clients rather than just everything being legal training, because that is a reality of the job too. And so, you know, as I'm thinking about what you're saying, I'm thinking, you know, that is a training that, you know, should be developed and offered out there for legal professionals and assistants too, like not just lawyers, like assistants need to know how to, you know, deal with a distressed client as well and not always put it on to the lawyer because they might be able to, you know, help calm a client down or, you know, deal, meet their emotional need without having to go put it over to the lawyer who's going to charge them X number of dollars for their time. Right. So Exactly. That sort of innovation would really be a game changer. You know, the the lawyers shouldn't be held accountable for that. Like, I think that your job in itself is so complex and there are so many different uh, things that it would be, it would be next to impossible to expect that to be added on to a lawyer's, um, you know, workload or even just um, their, their scope. I think a trauma-informed approach would be really helpful, Mm -hmm. especially for cases where there is domestic violence, where it is a high where there is any sort of vulnerable community sector, mental health needs, stuff like that to even just have a a better way of recognizing trauma responses in clients and how to even just communicate in a way that is sensitive without going into the whole um, needing to cushion or take on their emotions or help them through it. But definitely incorporating some sort of referrals and toolkits uh, for them to manage it on their own because at the end of the day, they can come out of the divorce a more emotionally regulated person, then that also helps them open up the door to their, you know, their, their new sort of reality, their new way of living post-divorce. That's very true. You've given me a great idea to, for a continuing education course that I feel like yeah. I should put out a speak to the Canadian Bar Association or the Law Society about putting together with, you know, some experts to come in and, you know, educate lawyers on how to recognize trauma in clients and how to, you know, and how to, in their limited role, you know, deal with that and how to know when it's more serious and somebody really does need to be referred to an appropriate, you know, professional, because as I say, I don't, there isn't stuff out there that I've seen anyway on that in, in, in the training. And it, it ends up, the whole system ends up revictimizing, you know, people, unfortunately too. And like, that shouldn't that shouldn't be happening. The legal system shouldn't be. I mean, it happens in some like I always say in criminal law too. Often the victims are re-victimized by having to go and be cross-examined, and the whole court process and you know family law really isn't any different. But you definitely raised some really you know valid points. So you you were you went through this experience and you're still going through it, I guess. And so how did you? So what what type of work were you? you sorry, you did mention you were um, working and you got let go at your job, I guess, just before COVID. And so how did you end up deciding to get into the energy work? And, and what what did what types of courses or, you know, did you do in order to learn more and, and get to be doing the work you are now? Yeah, sure. So um, I actually had a, a three year period of working at an um, overseas corporate law firm, and I was doing my uh, corporate um Sorry, my chartered secretary uh, designation with the chartered Insti- uh, chartered governance institute. You know the family events that really had uh, it, it triggered the spiritual awakening, and it also triggered this like sort of quest or personal search for meaning through all of this. And I found that the more I looked at my circumstances as, in a sense of curiosity, of in a sense of being open to the possibility that this could be leading me in some direction that 
you know, if it weren't for the really difficult moments and the loss and the suffering that I perhaps would have never become the person that, you know, I'm, I'm becoming and working towards becoming every day. Uh, I really also developed a, a fascination for understanding um, personality archetypes beyond uh, traditional, you know, psychology, beyond uh, traditional, you know, astrology and zodiac. And this is where the quantum human design uh, certification comes in that I completed. Quantum human design, quantum alignment system are two of the modalities I practice. And it basically is a synthesis of um, modern day science, specifically quantum physics, you know, and also the manifestation law of attraction, as well as certain things like numerology, astrology, and other things like the um, Myers-Briggs personality typing. So it gives you this divine blueprint of who you are, the core, and who you were always meant to be if it weren't for, you know, conditioning, if it weren't for trauma, even the stuff that gets genetically passed down in our, our lineage just through DNA, um, you know, stuff that maybe has affected our grandparents or great-grandparents because of the war, because of immigration, because of whatever they went through, still has an effect on us and we haven't even experienced it. We have no recollection, but it still is in in our um, our epigenetics. So it is a way of incorporating certain techniques like emotional freedom, which is a, a tapping um, practice, which has been a godsend through this entire divorce and which I think would be largely helpful. It uses a number of um, meridian points where you're tapping on a sequence, like on your brows, your side of your temples and repeating a few affirmations. And it completely resets your system from like the the spikes of cortisol and um, that adrenaline rush of, you know, trying to spin your wheels, figuring things out to a state of calm, and then also resetting it to a, okay, I'm open to the possibility that, you know, something else might be available here. I'm open to the possibility that if I ask some more questions, I can figure out what's really bothering me about the trigger that I'm projecting onto the, the document that just got handed, for example. Sometimes it's not even the thing. It's usually... I find in my practice, at least, that it's usually something behind it that resonates. And getting to that core is really, it's been, it's been life-changing in my personal work and even in the people that I'm working with on a one-on-one intuitive consulting basis. Well, it's interesting because um, I, when I went through a tough time in my life a number of years back, I, I'm never quite sure what's, what, what, whether what qualifies as a spiritual awakening or what makes the, you know, the definition of that. But at any rate, I, I went through some period in my life in my forties when I was going through a difficult time and felt lost. And I was kind of, I was searching for just any, like all different types of things to, I was open-minded to anything to help me, you know, to deal with the challenges I was dealing with and, and whatnot. And so a therapist who I was working with, she did the, the tapping you know, and I go, I have that part of my brain that's very much, you know, like I'm not in, I, I why well, I am actually into some airy fairy things, but, you know, the legal, the lawyer training in you is always very skeptical of things that seem different and alternative or that you can't measure through, you know, concrete. Uh, well, I mean, you can measure the, the, the results of that, but at any rate, I was kind of skeptical. I felt like this is so weird. Like I'm just sitting here tapping and saying, these, but I was like, I'll do, you know, I'll do it. And I found it, it was, it was very helpful. Like I could go from a state of feeling very anxious and stressed and it really calmed, made me feel much calmer and able to focus. So I can certainly attest that it works and that people I think should be open-minded to, to some of these things. Like that's one. And then some of the other um, modalities that we'll discuss today, 
that, you know, that you're, you bring to the table and are offering clients. So what would be, um, you know, some of the other things that you use with clients to, to help them? That actually brings up a great point too. So I, I strongly believe that everyone, you know, has their own path and there's certain people that it just won't resonate with and that's completely okay. It's not necessarily everyone needing to be completely open to it or to be super like woo woo and into, you know, spirituality and crystals and all that. Um, you can be a totally everyday person. And I find that the tools that I've been working with that are specific to uh, benefiting people who are going through divorce and other major life transitions, I'd say, are really pragmatic in the sense where your beliefs can be exactly what you can be. A, you can be a scientist, you can be, you know, something totally um, everyday, like a mechanic, but they'll still have that effect if you're willing to be like a, like a healthy level of skepticism is something that I actually encourage because that kind of allows you to still use your own judgment on what feels good, rather what you're just kind of going through the motions with and it also taking away from the potential it has in the healing that you receive. Um, access consciousness is another tool that I have um, grown to really love and is near and dear to me. The core of it is um, working with a tool called the clearing statement. And the clearing statement is uh, a really funny sounding sequence of words. It doesn't necessarily make sense. Like they all sound very weird. Each word is actually uh, sort of encoded for a deeper meaning. And it basically takes the neural pathways that we are firing and shooting in our beliefs and the way we're perceiving things happening, you know, quote unquote, to us, and allows it to be rewritten. So if you look, for example, at, you know, there's this really great book that I, I taught my daughter that she's five, and we read the Berenstein Bears, and there's this book called The uh, the Bad Habit, and Mama Bear is kind of wheeling her wheelbarrow through the mud, and she's saying like, okay, look, Sister Bear, you know, there's... um. I've gone through the mud on this specific line so many times. I always use this exact path. So if I wanted to even get my wheelbarrow out of the groove, it's already so deeply encoded in there that it would take, you know, some heavy lifting and probably another person to get me out. And it kind of just wipes the, the groove clean so you can start fresh and then opening your, your, you know, your perception to other things that might be possible if you don't have those blinders on where you're just focusing on the problem or focusing on uh, the disempowered mindset or even reaching conclusions of this always happens to me or this always you know goes wrong i can never get ahead and essentially reinforcing your own narrative so you kind of just get that fresh um slate and uh basically the clearing statement is so anywhere and everywhere i have bought and sold the idea that i just can't win at this or i just can't you know i just can't get it right then you say, I destroy, delete, and uncreate it, times a godzillion, good and bad, right and wrong, pot and pock, all t- or all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And there's a whole explanation. I can leave a, a link with uh, a link to the PDF to if you want to go into further in depth, but it basically takes like the 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 thoughts like a layer of an onion, peeling away the different structures because there's usually layers from all of these associations we've formed throughout our life. So Every single moment something similar has happened, you're firing that same thought. So you're basically just, you know, kind of reverse engineering it to be nothing, which is really cool. And that also helps with some of the skepticism for those people who are willing to, you know, um, see what feels right. And you can actually erase some of the things that kind of rule it out as, uh, you know, being too out there. Beyond the beyond the tapping and the clearing statements, um, I also do a lot of distance healing and journeying and coaching on manifesting in a different sense of visualizing desired outcomes. So whether it is looking 
at something that occurred perhaps in the divorce. For example, you got some bad news or something didn't, you know, you didn't come to uh, an agreement. Something was served that maybe wasn't being expected. And you go into meditation and you're able to kind of um, replay it in your head to take out the knowledge and extract it while collapsing the emotional charges. So you're not corded with energy. And the best way I can basically describe it is if you look at pulling apart a grilled cheese sandwich, you know, when you have that cheese in the middle that connects, yep. those are like the emotional cords that leave the charge. And when we can go and kind of clear those, that frees you from all the past experiences. So you're not constantly reliving it. Um, but in a sense, just taking it as, okay, this is the lesson learned. Now we're going to collapse that, but I can still learn. That's interesting. So, um, and just going back uh, to the clearing statement for a moment, um, is that something that somebody can design on their own or do they need to work with someone who's properly trained in doing it on how to do it or, or how, to, how does somebody go about getting a clearing statement? So this is actually um, not my, my own invention. I'm just a huge fan of it and I do regularly practice it um, both individually and with my clients. So you can go to theclearingstatement.com to download uh, a free PDF, I believe, by the founders of Access Consciousness who have designed it. And it also breaks down in very, you know, more scientific knowledge about how the thoughts and the emotional triggers are kind of taken away. This is something that you can use for everything. So it's something anyone can keep in their back pocket. My five-year-old uses it. And there's different ways of setting up the clearing statement to kind of shape it from certain angles, if that makes sense. There's also products that you can purchase where it's like a pre-recorded 45-minute thing or um, a thing that you can play overnight. So it's kind of just happening in the background and it works away at your subconscious mind and you'll wake up the next day and it's sort of like um, not as not as deep as hypnosis, but like a intermediate solution, I would say. So what would be some, you know, you've talked about law of attraction and uh, I believe in that. Um, Myself, I think that, you know, if you, if you're always thinking negative, you, because you're focused on the negative, it's not that you're necessarily attracting it per se, but you just notice all the negative more. Whereas when you're feeling positive and thinking positive, you notice the positive things more. Um, but for someone going through divorce, what would be some ways that, you know, they could use the concept of manifestation or law of attraction to, you know, change their mindset about you know, the, cause it's a negative experience. There's no, yeah, you, it, there's no one's going to like the, after divorce, you may feel better and your life may get better eventually. But I don't think there's too many people out there who are going to say the process of family law and divorce is a positive experience when you're in the thick of it. So Absolutely. what would be some tips you have for people on how do you, you know, use some of these things to help themselves maintain a positive outlook? Yeah, and I completely agree. Um, if you're going through something hard, sometimes it can be difficult. And sometimes we can also have an adverse manifestation where our intentions are good, but we actually get the opposite of what we've asked for because we're triggered or emotionally charged or just um, not truly believing what it is that we're setting out to do because we haven't you know, solidified that in internally yet. For certain stuff like that, what I really recommend is things like um, regulating your heart rate, like heart math, for example. Um, has done a tremendous amount of research. And there's a lot of great researchers and speakers like Dr. Joe Dispenza who talk about the importance of having that heart-brain coherence. And that can be practiced through simple things like, um, you know, 10 minutes of breath work in the morning, breathing. And also um, with the tapping, you can incorporate affirmations here. But 
the best recommendation I have and what has helped me, I think also as well, is not necessarily focusing on manifesting the, um, the desired outcomes immediately when you're still going through the turbulence, but actually just working on manifesting, feeling a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better till you get to about neutral. And you can actually manifest your healing and you can manifest your reactions and responses to things that might happen in your life. So I've, I've gone back and had really, really awful days where I've been, there's days that, you know, have brought me to my knees. When I went through it in my meditation afterwards, I decided to rewrite it in the sense that if it happened again, I would know exactly how to handle it. And I was really surprised to see that the more I did that and focused on even just coping with stuff and manifesting those as my outcomes kind of reinforced that and also trained me to believe in my ability to manifest it for bigger things like the home or the new job or the opportunity that you need to kind of get yourself off the ground again. That's great. Now, currently, um, are, do you have any pr- promotions that you have or offerings that listeners might be interested in? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I'm actually doing a Black Friday sale for the Divorce Hack um, Framework. It's a teachable course that I've designed through my own personal experiences of being told, um, you know, by by a number of people, um, the importance of documenting certain things with parental um, alienation that have come up, certain things with changes to the to the access schedule, and keeping track of all of the things that are happening with, you know, cooperation or lack thereof in the co-parenting journey. So um, I've come up with an Airtable base where you can basically, it's it's like a hybrid of Microsoft Excel and Pinterest, if I were to put it, um, describe it. And basically what you can do is you can filter and sort um, key events, but you can also link it to people who would be relevant. So for example, you know, um, if I had to include the contact information of a counselor that I spoke at the women's organization that helped me when I first left, then I could present it to somebody like you um, as my lawyer and say, okay, this is everything that's happened over the past two years. This is where I'm at, you know, and kind of give you the history without slamming, you know, um, a giant like binder on your desk, a little bit more prepared, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so I have that as um, 60% off right now for Black Friday. It's um, it's on my Teachable account, which you can find in the link, as well as uh, I have a $99 intro session for intuitive consulting. Um, what I, I find provides the most results is a package that is custom for each person because everyone's circumstances is different, and it also has to take into account um, the long-term goals as well as some of the historic incidences and events. So the intro session is kind of like a sampler where I um, will play with the um, client that I'm working with and we can tap into a couple of the tools to explore it and see if it resonates with them or if not and sometimes I my, my favorite feeling in the whole world is like when their eyes light up and a light bulb moment goes off like oh this stuff really works you know and they kind of have that experiential like um, moment where they're like wait a second I actually like can do it you know and um, it gives them like a opportunity to taste it and figure out if this is a way that they would like to go. That sounds amazing. So how can listeners find you if they would like to work with you? Um, so they can actually find me at, so it's the shortened link bit.ly. So B-I-T dot L-Y slash intuitive consultant. And that's all one word. And that will bring you to the teachable course, um, as well as the session to um, where you can purchase coaching and consulting sessions with me. Um, for all of the listeners, what I'm going to be doing is setting up a free PDF with some of the access consciousness clearing statements, and I'm going to be customizing it for people who are going through divorce. So um, if they want to um, just shoot me a quick email, there's a contact me box on the site. um, And I will circle back then with the um, free PDF for anyone that's interested because it's, it's helped me majorly throughout my days. 
That's wonderful. And we'll, and I'll share all these links as well um, when I post the podcast too, so people can uh, easily find you and, and get the information that they need. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting hearing about the work that you do. And um, I think it's wonderful that you're able to help people, you know, while you're also still going through some of this yourself with your own situation not wrapped up yet. So thank you for the work that you do as well. Leanne, honestly, um, your your posts and your progress and the way you advocate for your clients inspires me every day. So it's a, it's a real honor to be able to connect with you. Oh, thank you. You just made my day. And thank you to my listeners. Please tune in each week. Please like, subscribe, comment, and join me here again next week on Divorcing Well. Hi, my name is Janet Finaki, and I'm the host of the Resilient People podcast. I interview regular people from around the world who've experienced something major in their lives, bounced back, and found a purpose in helping others be resilient too. They're folks like you and me, and their stories are totally relatable, extraordinary, and inspiring. I had no idea what I could do until I did it. But it's the motivation of doing for other people that you know need support, need help, that you're able to really push and dig and find what you can do. Have an open discussion and not write us off and allow us to actually talk about our disability. Like, don't assume my limits mm-hmm. for me. You know, we went for a drive, told her what her mom was going through and what the likely outcome is going to happen. And we both just bawled. And then finally, Kate just said that we need to have hope. And to be resilient, you have to you have to have hope. Join me as we get to know some incredibly resilient people. The Resilient People Podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.